The Seahawks season got off to a brutal start on Sunday as the Rams blew them out in the second half of a 30-13 loss. Joining us to break down what went wrong, how worried Seattle fans should be, and the upcoming showdown against the Lions is NFL on Fox's lead play-by-play man, Kevin Burkhart. Let's light him up. I'm Jackson Bevins, and this is Cigar Thoughts. Welcome back to the Cigar Lounge. I am Jackson Bevins, and along with my sweet swinging producer, Mike Barwin, this is the Cigar Thoughts Podcast. Mike, how are we doing today? Doing great, Jackson. Uh, feeling thankful that I was able to steal a little bit of money from you and your compatriots. How are you? Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> doing great, man. Honestly, for those listening, um, I'm down in Palm Springs on a little belated birthday golf trip, and Mike, unbeknownst to me, drove over from San Diego to surprise me, hang out for a few days, play a couple rounds of golf, watch the Seahawks game at the Cigar Lounge down here. Man, I, I couldn't believe it. when you walked in, I was just like, get the fuck out of here. Get out of here, man. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, you know, my life mission is to antagonize you at every opportunity. So I couldn't pass something like that up. Oh, man. Well, antagonize you did. No, but for real, man, I had an absolute blast out here with you. And I know that you had been like starting to swing the golf clubs again a little bit. And I'm like, okay, you know, courses we're playing, they, they're a little bit tricky. All right. He's going to come out. He's going to suck, but we're going to have a good time. I know he doesn't play a lot. This motherfucker comes out here and just starts striping it down the fairway. Like we came in hot on day one, got all turned around on the drive to the golf course, rushing up to the tee box. <laughs> yeah, we drove like, up to those the guys, box. right? Like we drove the up worst to the guys at the golf yep. course, just coming in, scorching hot, like changing as we get there. And uh, Mike just starts freaking ripping it off the tee. That was awesome to see. It was great. The first, the first day the ball was going where I wanted it to. The second day, that was no longer the case. It was a nice reminder yeah, that well, golf is truly the most humbling thing that we can subject ourselves to. Ain't, ain't that the truth? You know, we played again today, and I had a classic 48-38 round, so oh. I know exactly how that goes. <laughs> uh, but how are you doing now that you're back home, man? I'm a little burnt, buddy. I'm uh, I'm a little crisped up, but, you know. It's hot here. It's a great, great few days of drinking bourbon, smoking stogies, and golf. So I really cannot complain. How are you feeling now? Yeah, welcome to the lifestyle. Man. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh man. Well, we're still doing good over here, and you know, had an absolute blast with you. Obviously, it's been a sensational week outside of one very unfortunate three-hour stretch. Oh my and, god. <laughs> well, all right, to be honest, it really was just the last hour and a half of it. You know, yeah. of course, we're talking about the Seahawks' opening day loss to the shorthanded Los Angeles Rams absolutely demolished Seattle over the game's final two quarters. And we are going to talk more about that with a very special guest shortly. But first, a quick reminder that everyone listening can order the official Cigar Thought cigars directly from CigarThoughtsNFL.com. Just follow the link and place your order to get these easy-to-smoke stogies rolled with 13-year-aged premium Dominican tobacco leaf. Or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, as many of you have, and we'll send you the details directly. There's also a link in the show page on whatever platform you're listening to us on. These cigars have really been picking up steam, and we appreciate everyone who's given us their feedback and sent us pictures. If you're not yet familiar, you can get a bundle of 10 for just $169, which is less than half of MSRP on these truly high-end stogies. And the cigars, they come with a Bovita humidification pack and a Mylar storage bag to make sure they stay fresh, whether you have a humidor or not. 
We also appreciate the love y'all have given our YouTube channel, where you can catch entire episodes as well as video clips from every show, including this one. This is one of the best ways you can help Cigar Thoughts grow, so we're grateful for the few seconds you can take to subscribe and like the videos. Now, Mike, you and I were able to watch Sunday's Catastrophe together at the Pivot Cigar Lounge, (laughs) and it was frankly excruciating. Fortunately, the stogies and the old fashions took a bit of the sting out, but the fact remains that the Seahawks kicked off what pretended to be a promising season with a complete collapse in the second half against a team that, on paper, should have been completely outmatched. Fortunately, we're joined by one of the preeminent voices in the NFL to get some perspective on what transpired and just how worried we should be. He is the lead play-by-play commentator for the NFL on Fox, is fresh off of calling that incredible Super Bowl last year, and is on the mic for the Seahawks' next game in Detroit. He is Kevin Burkhart. Kevin, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's great to be back. It's been a while. I, I, had a, I mean, I can't even remember the last time I, I called the Seahawks game. I had the Seahawks like 8 million times yeah, uh, totally. my first five years at Fox, which was awesome. And I, I mean, the last, like, I don't know, I have to look the last time I called one of the games. It's crazy. So I went from like calling all their games to none of their games. So I'm excited to see them again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're excited to see them too, because they didn't show up on Sunday. <laughs> so hopefully they're there. You know, I, I feel like One of the toughest parts of the whole NFL experience each season is figuring out how much stock to put into week one. You know, oftentimes when you look back at the end of the year, team seasons have gone completely differently than you'd have thought after the first game. Like last year, the 49ers, who were one of the five best teams in the league, lost in week one to a team that finished with the worst record in football. Already this year, we've seen the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals lose their openers as well. I'm not sure how you felt about Seattle coming into the season, but I know that around here there was a ton of optimism. So given your experience covering the league, how much do you read into week one results when they don't match your expectations? Yeah, I think I think it depends. You know, I, I think look, coming into season, I thought Seattle was going to challenge San Francisco for the division. I thought they were I thought they were ready to take the next jump. Um, and so, look, you could overreact to one week. I think there are a lot of crazy things that happen in week one. Um, like, for example, okay, how do you take the Lions win over KC? I think that's real. I, I think Detroit's good, um, and and I think they played, you know, a tough grind out game, deserved to win. Um, Joe Burrow throwing for you know 80 yards against Cleveland is that going to continue? I, no, it's not. Uh, you know, so it's just like it depends on how you look at it. For Seattle's first game. Um, they didn't play well. And and I think there might be an element of thinking they could beat up the Rams because they're young and they didn't think they were any good. And, and and you know what? The Rams' offensive line is healthy. They weren't once all year. And Matthew right. Stafford could still throw the damn ball. And so God, he I was think they good. got taken by surprise a little bit in that game. So if they come out and look terrible this week, then I'd be a little worried about Seattle. But I, I, I don't really read that deeply into it personally. Yeah, I, that's kind of the tough thing about it. And we'll get to the ugly stuff in a second, but it's easy to forget that it wasn't all bad. I mean, Seattle's offense was humming in the first half. They scored on three of their first four possessions, would have had a fourth scoring drive if, you, you know, Jason Myers didn't miss the short one. He was automatic last year. Uh, and then even though the defense had trouble getting off the field, they only allowed seven points in the first two quarters. What was it that you saw from the Seahawks that you liked from that game? Well, I think um, you saw glimpses of what they were last year offensively, right? And the first, especially the way it started, like, okay, here we go. You know, DK touchdown and Gino looking good. And, and then, you know, then I think it's like, okay, oh, Aaron Donald's playing in this game. And I don't care that he's, you know, 30 over 30 now. He's right. still, you know, one of the best players in the history of the world. And he, and he killed him, uh, bottom line, right? And then, yeah. you know, momentum started to change and Stafford got comfortable and, and you know, they had a hard, hard time coming back from it. So I thought you saw glimpses of what made them good last year the thing that would concern me and I expected to be better I expected to be more sound 
is that their defense got torched in the middle of the field and all the Lions do is play in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. That That is, to me, a big matchup for Sunday. Yeah, the Stafford passing chart was hilarious. <laughs> it was just like 80 green dots in the middle of the field inside of 15 yards. And it's like, why not? Why not keep doing that? You know, McVay's been killing Pete Carroll for six years now with crossing routes. And it's a little frustrating. I mean, I know there's a lot of new guys on the defense, but it just felt like more of the same. I mean, shit, the Rams converted eight of their first 10 first third downs. That's really tough to overcome. Well, they, you know, and look at it this way, like the, that's look, they've got to clean that up. Right. And I think they will uh, for sure. There's enough talent on that team to do that. But um, just looking ahead to the matchup this week, you know, the lions have arguably, you know, maybe the best slot receiver in the game right now. And I'm on Ross St. Brown. And, you know, I don't think really people at the beginning of last year really knew what he did his first year in the league. And then he kind of came on the scene and now it's like, Oh my gosh, that guy is good. So they have got to take care of the middle of the field this week because that's where Goff, his strength is. That's where the Lions' strength is. Um, and I think it's going to be a real test, right? If Seattle is going to take that jump, like, here, guys, I don't know how you feel as diehards, but here's from the national standpoint, from my standpoint coming in, I felt they had plenty offensively to compete at the next level, to really make that jump to be on, you know, San Francisco, Philly, Dallas level defensively, you know, they have to tighten it up a little bit more, right? So, like, that's where, that's what you need to see, I think, this weekend is is how do they play on that side of the ball. To me, that will be telling. Yeah, I mean, you've watched enough football. As you went back and you look at that tape of the game against the Rams, how much of that stuff on defense seems fixable to you versus just a deficiency that they have? I I just, I I can't call it a deficiency after week one. I just can't, you know, and on top of it, you're obviously waiting to get Jamal Adams back, which changes a lot um, in how they play and how they do. You know, they haven't had the first round uh, Witherspoon, the cornerback, hoping to get him back too. Um, So it's one week. I'm I'm just not going to overreact and I want to see them at a full compliment and see them get a little momentum. So I'm not really going to read a heck of a lot into it. That's all. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, and and it's so hard because we've only got one data point to go off of this season, right? It's it's too early to identify trends. It's just disheartening as, you know, people who follow the Seahawks to see the same things from last year transfer over against what should be on paper one of the worst offenses that they that they play this year. But I want to look ahead to the game that you're calling coming up this this week and, you know, you mentioned that Detroit loves to throw it over the middle of the field. Obviously, that's playing into one of their strengths with Amon Ross St. Brown. But talk to us about what else the Lions do well, what they might struggle with, and specific things we can be looking for with them on Sunday. Well, I, I think if you look at Detroit, the one thing that probably most of you look, obviously they were the hot pick coming in this year, right? People realized at the end of last year that they played well and started to kind of pay attention to the Lions. And playing this year with expectation, I was curious to see how they were going to do. Obviously, they're off to a good start. I think the one thing that the casual fan does not realize is they have, they've got a top five offensive line in the game. They sure Um, do. And and I don't think a lot of people really know that and understand that. And and that's part of why Jared Goff is so effective because, you know, when given time, he's as good as anybody, he's as good as anybody on the play action. You know, now they've got two really good running backs and, you know, they've got one of the best receivers in the league in St. Brown. I like the kid tight end, Laporta, who yeah. they drafted. You know, they had four really big contributions from their top four draft picks. Uh, yeah, I sh- I sh- their top four draft picks really 
contributed in that game in week yeah. one. So, look, where are they weak? Well, defensively, the first half of the year last year, they were a train wreck, okay? But they turned it around. The second half of last year, they got a lot better. They brought in new personnel, obviously. They got a couple rookies playing back there now. So, theoretically, if you say, where did the Seahawks have an edge? Well, it's there. I mean, they put 50 points on them last year when they played, right? But they are a different defense now than when that game took place. I will say that. They have different personnel. They played a lot better second half of the year. So if you're picking one spot, yeah, I mean, that's the place if Seattle can block without their two tackles where they have the edge. Yeah, I think that's going to be huge for them. And also, I mean, you mentioned Detroit's offensive line. Rams' offensive line is not supposed to be great this year, and Seattle didn't get a sack against a quarterback that's obviously an extremely decisive thrower of the football but is not super mobile anymore i i just i don't see seattle gaining anywhere near enough traction to give their offense a chance to score the type of points they'll need to if they can't pressure goff on sunday well i gotta see it you know i look i i think i think they may have to dial up some more blitzes but again it's it's one game and i think the thing here's the thing about the rams even though they're exceptionally young and you know there's such a different team than they were than when they won the super bowl last year they had a different offensive line combination every single yeah. game. It's impossible to win. I mean, they had so many injuries. They were pulling guys off the street and they were certain. You know, it's it's impossible. You can't survive doing that. So I think, you know, it's like, oh, hey, look, if Matthew Stafford is upright, look, you remember? He won the Super Bowl two years ago. So, I, you know, I'm just not going to overreact and say the Rams are shit because, you know, I, <laughs> right. I don't I don't think they are. They've got an all-world quarterback and they were healthy week one and, and that's what happened. So, um yeah, I just can't overreact, but they are playing a better unit this week in Detroit. There's no doubt. On the other side, the Seahawks lost both of their young, exciting offensive tackles and Charles Cross and Abe Lucas within just a few minutes, which yeah. contributed to their offensive collapse in the second half. Yeah, They're going up against a guy in Aiden Hutchinson who's heading into year two with huge expectations, put on a show week one. How do you think that he matches up against a deficient Seattle offensive line? And what are your expectations for him this Sunday? Yeah, Mike, it's, I mean, that's a worry, right? I mean, like, here, here's the reality. Like, any NFL team, it doesn't matter. <laughs> any NFL team, you say both your starting tackles are hurt. Yeah, you don't, like, the backups are a backup for reasons. So playing both at the same time, that certainly compromises things. And, you know, and the fact that they signed Jason Peters, who was a first ballot Hall of Famer, and, you know, look, I don't know. We haven't talked to, you know, we haven't talked to Peter and ain't done any of that yet. It's too early in the week. We'll do it later in the week. But, I mean, if they just sign Jason Peters and he starts to tackle, I mean, it's it, Peters is a Hall of Famer, no doubt. But, yeah. man, like that's – you don't want to be – He's 41. Spot. He's 41. He's, you know what? He – don't laugh. He he still played pretty decent I know last year when he played. So it's yeah, like he sure not, did. He's nothing to sneeze at. I'm just saying it's not where you want to be. And I think Aiden Hutchinson, he really – He's just he's just a terrific player. It's one of those things where you look at the line score and you're like, man, well, he didn't have any sacks. And but you know what, Mike, if if you watched the game last week, he affected nearly every play. I mean, pushing the pocket, moving inside, making Mahomes move his feet. Um, he's a problem. There's no question about it. He, he's you've, you've got to put an X on him. Kevin, how good is Jameer Gibbs? Well, you know, I think we haven't found out yet. I mean, I know what he did in college. I mean, there, there was no better. Um, there was no better receiver who's a running back in college the last two years. That's the bottom line. Yeah. We know he's exceptionally fast. And I think, you know, for him, it's like one of those things like fantasy over is like, oh, my God, how come he didn't have 200 yards week one? What the hell? You know, yeah. like, you know, you got to slowly work him in. Like, it's the NFL. You got to, you know, you, you give him a, you give him a little smattering of stuff. I think every week 
he's going to get a little more stuff. Um, and I think he's going to really test these teams how they play him, whether you line him up in the backfield, whether you line him up as a wide receiver. And I think Ben Johnson is going to is going to mix. I, I think every week you're going to see something a little different. And he kind of said that a couple weeks ago, but it freaked people out because he didn't have you know 75 touches in week one. Right. But I think he's an electric playmaker. And just anytime you have a guy like that, you know, like a you know like an Alvin Kamara type guy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a Marshall Falk. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame class. Sure. I'm just saying it makes it tough on defenses. So, I, you know, I'm curious. I don't know what we're going to see out of him. And maybe I'll find out when we talk to the coaches later this week. But I think they're kind of up for anything with him. Yeah, I mean, he he is such an exciting player. And I think one of the underrated aspects of a player like him is you can stretch a defense horizontally with someone like him. You know, he's, he's a player you have to track. He's a player you have to follow no matter what he's doing, whether it's pre-snap or, or as soon as the play starts. And, you know, you got a runner like Dave Montgomery who's very effective between the tackles. And I'm really, really hoping we see a little bit better discipline from the second level Seattle's defense because if I'm Detroit, I'm trying to get as much horizontal movement going as possible because Seattle's really struggled with keeping up with that. Well, I think anyone would, right? If you get him going uh, like that. Look, here's, here's, here is the reality. I think for, you know, Seattle's defense, and you could say this about any team every week, but, you know, you, you were right. They got zero pressure on Matthew Stafford. If they do that against Jared Goff, they're going to give up 40 points. Um, that's just the bottom line. Detroit at home, you know, last couple of years when they have time to throw, forget it. Um, so if they don't, now the flip side of that is Goff against pressure. He struggled. Uh, his numbers are, you know, a lot of quarterbacks, obviously, numbers are different. But his numbers are vastly different, right? So they've got to find a way to get pressure. You know, whether that is that Adams coming back to play and, and using his ability off the edge, whether that's blitzing a little bit more, I don't know. Or maybe it's just getting, you know, production from, you know, guys up front like Draymond Jones or they gave big money to and those type of things. You know, they've got to find a way to do that. And then everything kind of flows off that. But I... I think Detroit has enough weapons where it's not like you can be like, oh, we cannot let Gibbs beat us. Of course. But I, I think they've got more to worry about than just him. I don't think it's just like circle that guy and you stop him, you're fine. Yeah. You know, it's funny. A week ago, this game was a push uh, as far as, you know, the the downstream odds were concerned. And here we are now and Detroit's favored by almost a touchdown. It's going to be on the larger half of spreads in the league this week. So all of a sudden, Seattle's looking at having to pull off an upset. And it's it's hard to call things upsets this early in the year, but it's what the line is saying. So if the Seahawks are going to be able to pull this off, does it need to be another 48 to 45 type game? Or can they kind of control things a little bit more? If Seattle were to win, let me put it this way. If Seattle were to win, what's the most likely way that they do it? Well, they're gonna they're gonna run the football, and we know that that's what Pete likes to do any anyway. But I think even more so if you're in a position where you lose or if you don't have both your tackles, and if Gino is, is struggling finding time, um, you're going to try and ride your running game, right? And try and just just eat the clock a little bit and keep their offense off the field and win an old-school, gritty, you know, low-scoring Seattle game. Now, look, if they've got time to throw, I don't think Gino Smith's throwing for 100 yards again. I I, I just right, don't. It, right. was a, it, was, it was a bad game. You know, they didn't play well in the second half. Donald really dominated them. Um, I, I You know, but that is... Look, if they're both tackles were healthy, I would say let Gino throw the ball all over the yard. But I, that's a big question mark. Um, but I think the reality is it comes down to Pete Carroll winning games the way he likes, and that is yeah. 
running the football with Kenneth Walker, um, you know, maybe even getting the, the tight ends involved a little bit, just getting clocked down so you don't have to worry about winning those games, which we know they can do. They've done it under Geno Smith. You just got to feel it out and see how they're blocking for him. Kevin Burkhart said, run the damn ball. <laughs> hey, well, close the circle of toughness, Mike. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. go. That's right. Come on. That's right. But for real, you look, you look at that score of the game last year between these two, and you assume that Seattle is just flinging the ball over the yard, but it wasn't really the case. I mean, they ran for a million yards in that game and had two really long touchdown runs. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's going to take six, seven touchdowns to win, but they're probably going to have to get three or four of them. And uh, they didn't come close to doing that this past week. So that's going to be super fascinating to see if they can repeat that. Well, they also had a pick six in that game, right? I mean, so like, so yeah, I I get your point, but um, I I think, I think it always in some way comes down to that for them. And, you know, Look, if if we get a 48-45 game, I'll be thrilled. So, but you know, there's <laughs> yeah. there's different characters in this game, right? Didn't Rashad? I haven't. I have to go back and rewatch it. But didn't Rashad Penny have a monster game in that game? And yep. Hawkinson had a big game. There was like a two week stretch where Hawkinson and Taysom Hill back to back weeks just <laughs> annihilated them. Yes. Just disgusting yeah. tackling. Well, Hawkinson is no longer on the team, so so there you go. He's so I don't, it'll be fun to watch. I, I I hope we get a game like that. That'll be a blast. Are those more fun for you to call? I mean, if you if you could draw up any game that you're calling, like the Super Bowl this last year, high scoring, fast paced. Do you prefer that, or do you like it if it's a little bit longer, give you a little bit more time to to chat and do that kind of thing? No, I mean, would would I take 35 all with two minutes to go like the Super Bowl was? Yeah, I would take that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That, those games are a blast to call. It's like it's just so much action going on. Um, but that being said, to your point, like the divisional playoff last year with the 49ers in Dallas, if you don't appreciate that as an old school football fan, it was just so hard hitting and just so physical. Yes. And like every yard was hard to come by. So they're – Look, it's pretty cool to do those games too, especially in the playoffs when it's just a grinded out, just, you know, rock fight. I mean, those are awesome. But if you're asking me to pick, would I take, you know, 48 45 over 13 10? Yes, I would. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, listen, man, we know you got to get going as you continue your prep for Sunday's game. And we super appreciate your time. But before we get you out of here, I do want to get your prediction for how the rest of the season goes for Seattle. And the way I'll frame it is, if you pick the exact number in this hypothetical, the exact number of wins that Seattle finishes with, you get a million bucks. What's the number you're choosing? Well, I'll tell you what. I um, I, I really thought, like, coming into the year, Seattle can be, like, an 11-win team, bounce it up a couple more wins. Like I said, challenge the 49ers. Um, after I saw the 49ers week one game, you're talking oh, about week man. one not putting a lot of stock on it. What I put stock on was Brock Purdy, how he looked after the Tommy John. Mm-hmm. And after I saw that, I'm like, oof. They might win. They might win 14 games this year. Yeah, yeah. But I still think Seattle can be better than last year. I do. I think they're a really good team. I'm just not going to believe that Week One was who they are. Um, and and I, I'll say right now, after last week, I'm going to say 11 wins for the Seahawks. I think you guys would probably sign up. Woo! I love that. All right, that's going to make some people happy. <laughs> Listen, Kevin, this has been an absolute blast, man. Thank you so much for making the time. I know how crazy it is for you right now. Before we let you out of here, where can those listening find more of you? Uh, well, if they just if they flip on the NFL on Fox every weekend, I'll be doing a game, and then um, you know, which is awesome. And then in October, I'll be doing both because we have uh, the baseball coverage for our playoffs in the World Series. So I'm on hosting our show with 
A-Rod and Big Poppy and Derek Jeter uh, every awesome. night. Um, so it's a blast, man. I'm so lucky and so fortunate to do what I love. And uh, yeah, so that's that's where you'll find me. If you're watching sports, either baseball, football, I'll probably be on it uh, at some point for the rest of the year. <laughs> that's great, man. Well, hey, hope to get to chat with you again soon. Yeah, pleasure, guys. We'll do it again. Again, a huge thanks to Kevin for carving out half an hour with us. There's just so much to get to with that game. And Mike, you and I have had a few opportunities to talk about it over the last couple of days. How are you feeling now that it's Wednesday? Probably a bit more tempered. You know, it was really easy in the moment to have it feel really catastrophic. It's week one. The season has higher expectations than they've had in a couple few years. And uh, you're really looking for an offense that you think can potentially be top five to start firing on all cylinders. And it looked like that, you know, for, Mm -hmm. you know, a good portion of the first half. Uh, They didn't punt. Uh, they could have had more points, had a field goal, not missed the uprights, all of that. But uh, it really went into a tailspin in the second half. Um, I feel a little more optimistic about the defense than I thought I would, having a few days to look back on things. How, how are you feeling? You do? Yeah, a little bit. All right. Okay. Put a pin in that because I, I want to circle back to that. Yeah. To me, it just comes down to do we think the Seahawks are a good team or not? Sure. Because I think the Bengals are a good team. I think the Bills are a good team. I think the Chiefs are a good team, right? I, I'm not worried about where they're going to be at the end of the season. If Seattle is a good team, then I shouldn't be worried where they're going to be at the end of the season either. And I'm I'm still kind of there. I think Seattle is good because they were really good in the first half. They were just fucking atrocious <laughs> yeah. in the second half. Historically that had a lot bad. to do with injuries too. Yeah, like historically, like – Literally the third lowest yards and a half of any half they've ever played in, you know, 45 years of existence. So, look, it, it's it's a total outlier. I, I think the Seahawks are good because they have a lot of good players and they have good coaching. So, look, every year there's a team where the wheels fall off. Maybe that's Seattle. But this isn't enough to say that that's the case right now. You know, like I mentioned with Kevin, the Niners lost to the fucking Bears last year. So these things happen, man. Yeah, they definitely do. And losing both of your young stud offensive tackles and your best receiver in like a five-minute span, pretty tough to overcome. And then Mosu. And, yeah, and yeah, Mosu goes man. off. And your, your, your best pass rusher, too. Like, what are your most important positions besides quarterback? Okay, yeah, they're, they're all hurt now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go, go beat the Rams with your backups. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's really tough. Um, and uh, while we were recording with Kevin, the news came out that Abraham Lucas has gone to the IR. I so know. that makes the matchup with Aiden Hutchinson, the Lions defense, even more difficult with Hutchinson rushing uh, against right tackles predominantly. That's a tough one to swallow. That's a tough one to swallow. You got Jason Peters coming in. Hopefully Jake Curran's up to the challenge. But uh that's difficult. It is, man. And, you know, we didn't get a chance to see a lot of JSN. And a lot of it is because the pie was so small, right? There weren't that many actual pass attempts that Seattle took in the game. Partially because they couldn't move the ball in the second half and Gino was under duress the entire time. Also because their defense couldn't get off the field. I mean, they only gave up seven points, but they were giving up really long drives, allowing third down conversion after third down conversion to Los Angeles. And so... Okay, you see JSN, I think he had three targets, two catches, not a lot of yards. Maybe he had three catches. Yeah, two of the receptions were for one yard. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. So the thing is, is like 
if you're not going to have as much time to throw, and we talked about this in the offseason, you need guys who can get open early. And, and Seattle hasn't really had that the last few years, really since Doug Baldwin retired. So I'm hoping that if JSN is up to full speed, that's going to help things a little bit because I do think the pressure is going to be there on Sunday. Yeah, well, it was his first NFL game. He was coming off of that injury. It was probably a surprise that he was playing in the first place. I know it was like a hand or a wrist injury. Right. But even so, that's time that you're missing leading up and preparing for your first NFL game. That's impactful to a degree. But, uh, I mean, if you just read through their drives in the second half, it is bleak. You got three plays, five yards, punt. Four plays, ten yards, punt. Three plays, two yards, punt. Three plays, Negative 24 Stop yards. It. Stop it. I watched the game. Stop <laughs> you, it. You've been there. Deja vu. Not for you. I understand. I understand. It's so bad, man. But but you, you were expressing a little bit of optimism about the defense, which I don't currently share with you. So tell me what you're thinking there. Well, I think a stat that's pretty telling is just looking at the rushing numbers, the team rushing numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, looking mm-hmm. at the Seahawks running game, they rushed for 85 yards on 18 carries. That's 4.7 uh, really effective. touch. I thought Ken Walker is looked great. Effective. Yeah, exactly. They were they were consistently on schedule. Obviously, things weren't moving in the second half. Is what it is. You can hopefully put that behind you. The Rams rush for 92 yards on 40 carries. That's 2.3 yards per wow. carry. Three touchdowns wow. definitely uh, makes that look a little grosser. But Bobby Wagner being back was definitely impactful in the run game, as we hoped that he would mm-hmm. be. Jordan Brooks back playing in his first game after tearing his ACL nine months ago. That's insane. They got picked apart in the passing game, surely. But I think that a team putting up 30 points when you rush as inefficiently as the Rams did means that their quarterback was a god on that day. And Matthew Stafford reminded us that, hey, I may be the second oldest starting quarterback in the NFL, but I'm still really fucking good. Oh, my God, he's so good. He's so good when he's healthy. It's crazy, some of those throws. I guess now that Rodgers went down, he's the oldest in the league. Damn. Yeah, damn, man. Okay, so let me ask you this. You've got 100% of blame to go around for how Los Angeles was able to pass the ball. What percentage of that do you put on Seattle's defense? And what percentage of that do you credit? Maybe like 65, 35. Yeah. You know, Stafford was really good. Like, he, we, he we was, can't take away from it how unbelievable some of those throws he made were. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it goes hand in hand. I mean, he was, he was fitting the ball into some pretty infinitesimally small windows, which he is wont to do. Like football-sized windows. Um, yes, yes. I mean, like we talked about, you you see the heat map. He was targeting a very specific part of the field. And this yeah. was our concern with them bringing Bobby back. He was going to be impactful in the run game. But those hips aren't flipping as quickly as they used to, you know? Right. So right. I think that the reason for optimism, as we've talked about, is you have Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon hopefully coming back soon because those are supremely impactful players. At least you hope so in Witherspoon's case, even if we haven't seen him on the field yeah, absolutely. before in the league. But you have to be a bit optimistic about the fact that they looked honestly pretty damn to really good in their area of deficiency last season and hope that when yep. a secondary that we were incredibly excited about before the season started, when they get fully healthy – you're hopefully going to see some positive regression. And I, I do acknowledge, though, that they have a lot of work to do in addressing that intermediate middle of the field where 
teams are going to absolutely pound them. And like, like KB said, the lions are going to go after them there. That's just it, man. That's just it. Yeah. There's there. If I'm Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell, there's no reason not to lean into what is also the strength of my team with it being at least the weakness in week one for my opponent. So, you know, I was a little bit surprised. I will be completely honest. I was a little surprised to hear Kevin say that he thought Seattle was going to win 11 games coming in and still thinks that they're going to win 11 games. I, I can't get there. I thought the Seahawks were good for 10 wins coming in. I'm adjusting that to nine now. Like, I'm not saying I think they're going to go seven and 10 or six and 11. This was one of like those that. wins, though. That but you this expected. was one of the 10. Yeah, exactly. This was one of the 10. So I've, I've now got them at, at nine to eight. How much of your expectations for this team adjusted, if at all, after that? I definitely don't feel as great as I did before watching that game. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the fact that Lucas is down for at least until week seven and cross we don't God, know that's about so bad they bring in 41 year old jason peters and you know he is a hall of famer uh but you know he was a free agent for a reason so we'll see how fast he can get up to speed hopefully it's as seamless as you could hope for but uh yeah it's it, it it's tough the injury bug always bites it's always unexpected you got to ride some level of luck to success yeah. in this league and uh yeah, it bit hard in week one. And, you know, I mean, that's what happened to the Rams last year. Mm-hmm. You know, we can be like, oh, McVay lost his touch. or they got It also happened this year. Cup was out. That's yeah. I, I really, it, it is the most disgusting part <laughs> of that game is is just remembering no that Cooper, Cooper Cup, Cup was out. <laughs> Cooper Cup was out. You just got roasted by Puka Nakua. I know. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, you you mentioned Abe Lucas going on the IR, and and they switched it recently, so it's now a minimum of four games instead of six games. So potentially back after after the bye week, but man, the drop off was so steep. And and granted, you know, Stone Forsyth and Jake Curran aren't getting the same reps uh, in you know in, in preseason and in training camp and stuff. But there's a reason they're not getting those reps. Yeah. So yeah, that that's going to be tough. Hopefully Shane Waldron's got something that can counterpunch though too, right? Like that's part of the job is the availability of your best players is going to vary week to week. You have to have adjustments for that. And um, Seattle's offense stayed pretty healthy by NFL standards last year. So I'm, I'm hopeful Waldron's got something. So do you think that a big part of that counterpunch is relying on a running game that looked fairly decent in week one? Because I think they're going to try. They're going to have to. I think they're right? going to try. They're going to have. That's to. how they won the game against Detroit last year. Yeah, I absolutely do. I think, I think this is they're going to lean hard on Ken Walker, and we should talk about Ken Walker a little bit because we've had a lot of people on this show talking about Seattle's running game and Walker and whether or not the drafting of Zach Charbonnet is like an indictment of Walker, any of that stuff. There's no doubting the explosiveness of Ken Walker. He was literally one of the most explosive runners in the NFL last year. But he also didn't get a lot of yards that were blocked for him. In this game, he was so decisive. He was not fucking around. He was getting everything that was being blocked for him. He had a couple of nice runs where he was getting stuff that wasn't blocked for him. I thought that was really encouraging. Yeah, he outsnapped Charbonnet 32-12. to Fluency in the system played a factor there, but I I do think that 
you know, after last season, the runner-up to Offensive Rookie of the Year, I think that you look at him as some degree of bell cow for your offense. And, you know, they fed him touches early. And he looked good on those touches. Um, <laughs> when I was watching the game back, it was the first carry of the season for him. It was the second play of their offensive drive because they threw that hitch to Tyler on the on the first play. Right. Uh, you see the offensive line, and they're getting a decent amount of push, except for one guy. Damian Lewis is like three yards behind everybody else with Aaron Donald just strangling him. I just, that guy is never going to die. I don't understand it, man. Like, it's it's one thing to be good enough to start in the NFL. Like we're talking about a very few people on the planet for him to be so much better than everyone that tries to block him on every snap of every game is ludicrous. <laughs> like, man, I really wish, I really wish that game winning sack in the super bowl. That was your walk off, man. <laughs> Get out of here. No, but it's, it's, it's true. You know, uh, and, and they're going to play another really good individual defensive lineman, Aiden Hutchinson, like you brought up earlier, but, as I've gone back and and rewatched some of this game and just thought more about it and not been in that initial kind of, oh my God, this was so terrible mindset that I think a lot of us were in for the first 24, 48 hours, this this is not a hopeless situation by any stretch to me. Like, like not at all. You know, they won nine games last year and had some really bad games in there. This is just gonna be one of their really bad games. And hopefully there's not too many more of them. But my question for you is, what are your biggest concerns with this team? And then what do you think is the easiest thing they can improve? Uh, health and health. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. It seems like a cop out, but it's so true. Yeah. It's everybody's got to deal with it. But I mean, my, my biggest worry right now is the offensive line, right? Like yeah. losing those tackles and giving Gino space to operate because I mean, health on defense, getting Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon back is is really important. But I, I think that even if they come back, we can't be sure that they have the ability to operate as like a, a, an upper echelon defense. I think that you and I are confident that if everybody is healthy on their offense, they can operate as an upper echelon offense. So, mm -hmm. you know, like you always say, put more wind in your main sail I think that if they're going to win games to the extent that you expect, that Kevin expects, that a lot of people expected them to do this year, their offense has to be firing. Here's here's the deal. You you can still score on Detroit. You know, I mean, yeah, okay, the Chiefs, who might be the best offense on the planet, only had 20 points. But come on, man. We all we all watched that game. We <laughs> we know why they didn't have 38 points in that game. Because Kadarius you Tony know? had the under. <laughs> there, he had that parlay. some fluky – <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some fluky stuff happening right there, you know? So, uh, we saw a team score a million points on Detroit last year and they made some additions that should help them, but they're not going from really bad to really good in my opinion. So I think the opportunities would be there. I think Seattle can score 30 and if you can score 30, hopefully you can hold your opponent to 29 or less. I mean, you know, so hopefully, I don't know. I, I let, let me ask you this. How confident are you in Seattle winning next week? Not. I know. God, 0-2 is going to be ugly around here. Detroit is coming off of, you know, an extra three days of rest. Their home opener, the most hyped season in I don't know how long for them. 
it's uh they're healthy they're healthy it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one to overcome but uh i don't know pete carroll is gonna have his guys up they acknowledged their lack of you know it was the rams wanted it more multiple guys were saying that God, that's so disappointing that's, to that's hear. A tough thing. i mean it was obvious watching it but it is so disappointing to hear they simply just did not want it <laughs> they didn't man they didn't they didn't all right so a lot of people have been talking also about you know the dk metcalf penalties late in in the game how much does that matter to you i mean would i prefer that not to happen when the laundry's on the turf then i'm not enthused but i mean you know it feeds into it you know it's all part of the yeah look everyone listening knows how i feel about dk metcalf so whatever you can you can just write this off as a biased opinion or whatever but like I don't give a shit. Like I might be the only person I just don't give a fuck because all right. Are you going to have four to six personal foul penalties on DK Metcalf every year? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You're going to have 60 to, you know, maybe 90 yards of, of total penalties. And sometimes it's going to hurt you whatever. Fucking take it off the top. Right. If he's going to give you a thousand, 1100, 1200 yards. Like my thing is, you don't get the stuff that makes you love DK Metcalf without that, right? Like the fire burns hot and sometimes it's going to cook your food and sometimes it's going to burn your hand. But like, you don't want to turn the heat down with that guy. I I feel like the more of an outlier that you get talent wise, like I feel like with the more potential reward, the more potential risk that you get because coloring inside the lines, very few people are going to become exceptional doing that. And like, DK plays mad. And yeah, when your team is sucking ass and you know, like that's where you're going to run the risk with, with that happening with DK. And it'd be great if it didn't, but like it didn't cost them the game, you know, like, I don't know. I, and, and he's also, we forget he's so young. He's still so young. I mean, he's feels like he's been in the league for a long time. I mean, freaking almost half a decade at this point, but he's like, just turned 25 years old. So I don't know, man. I I feel like they're going to be all right. And honestly, I, I didn't mind seeing one dude on the field being pissed off either. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, okay. You mentioned earlier that the line is creeping up to about a touchdown as Detroit is favored. Yeah, I think it's five and a half last I saw. Where are you going against the spread? And you got your you got your ten thousand dollar bet on the line. Who are you taking money line? Um, money line, I'd take Detroit. But I think Seattle covers that i i see i could see this 31 27 detroit something like that i mean look that's a big spread that's a big spread yeah five and a half is a lot it doesn't seem like a lot because we see games that are decided by a touchdown or more feels like all the time but really it's not all the time and the ones that do uh aren't always the ones that the biggest line had it going that way five and a half is a big spread i don't think the talent difference between detroit and seattle is anything really like i don't feel like detroit is a better team than the seahawks they got better vibes right now they got better health they got better offensive line they're at home all of those things justify them being the money line favorite but i i would bet seattle to cover five and a half on that i i will bet seattle to cover five and a half on that um peek peek behind the curtain wow but but if they lose by multiple scores again then the alarms start to go off if they do lose 31-27 and it's spirited and they're in it till the end 
and you know it's one play here or there that's fine oh and two sucks it's gonna make their road tougher but it's like okay i i can at least tell the story they go out and lose 30 to 13 again then then i start to recalibrate yeah well at least we can all take uh, solace in the fact that the 49ers didn't look very good in week one. So, Oh, my God. They look so fucking good. <laughs> it's so funny. Just last week, we have Danny O'Neill on. I'm like, how big do you think the gap is between Seattle and San Francisco now? And he's like, it's basically a push. And I'm kind of like, yeah. Yeah, it feels like basically a push. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Freezing the cold takes. go out and win by 40. And the Seahawks lose by 20. <laughs> yeah. Not ideal. Not ideal, but the thing is, man, it's every year. It's every year this stuff happens. So, I mean, we saw, remember when Josh McDaniels first became an NFL head coach and he went six and oh to start Denver and they finished like seven and nine. Like this just over the course of 17 games. I mean, it's not a huge sample size the way you get like in Major League Baseball or the NBA or the NHL. Like it's thousands of plays and your true talent level generally is going to be reflected in your win-loss record at the end of the year because there are so many plays over the course of a season. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see it. It look, man, we've we've said it half a dozen times. It's a super shitty start, but what are you going to do? You know, it's it's time to move forward. I I feel like Seattle's going to give Detroit everything they got. I don't know, man. I'm still feeling all right. Yeah, I guess we'll see. That's going to do it for today. Mike, I really, really appreciate this, man. I'm, and by this, I mean you coming out and hanging out. That was so rad. One of the highlights of my year. That was a really shitty game, but football is back. And I think there's still plenty of reason to be optimistic about the Seahawks moving forward. They keep playing like they did in the second half of the first game. That could certainly change, but I'm not shoveling any dirt on them this week. All right, guys. As always, you can find Mike and I on social media as well. I am on Twitter at, at Jackson Bevins. That's J-A-C-S-O-N. Mike is also on Twitter at at Mike Barwin, and the show itself is at Cigar Thoughts. You can also find us on Instagram and threads at Cigar Thoughts NFL and on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok at Cigar Thoughts. Of course, you can listen to the show, and now that the season's back in full swing, read every article at fieldgoals.com slash Cigar Thoughts. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you like the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a quick review. Finally, be sure to check out CigarThoughtsNFL.com to get your exclusive Cigar Thoughts cigars or hit me up on Twitter and I'll shoot you the deets. When you buy those cigars, reach out with a pick and tell us what you think. Thank you to all of y'all listening for your continued support of the show. You know you've only got so much time for podcasts in your life and it's an honor to be a part of that for y'all. Please know that by sharing the show on social media and with your friends, you give us the juice to keep making this happen. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, onwards and upwards, my friends. <laughs>